Welcome to Modern Day Abigails, a women's outreach of Calvary Chapel Pearland. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So let's listen to God's Word, where everyday lives transform and where we can become the women God created us to be. Joanna, this is our first podcast. We're excited about this. I'm so excited. This is so um, scary. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's been a really scary <laughs> couple of days trying to think about how to do this. I was almost petrified when I walked in here. Right, like, hey, you're going to do this, do this, and I'm like, I don't think I could do it. But yeah, we're here. It's been a little bit of a struggle. It. it has been. So the thing about our little. Uh, what do we want to do? What is our focus and our mission on this podcast? What do we want the women to know? We want the women to know, first of all, that God loves them so much. He protects us. He takes care of us, even in the situations that some of us find ourselves in, voluntary or involuntary. God never leaves us. He never forgets about us. and. Our focus for this whole ministry is to let women know who are maybe hurting or maybe they feel like damaged goods or maybe they feel trapped or just plain depressed. It doesn't matter what it is. We're here to, um, wouldn't you say, Anna, that our goal is to like... Um, we, we have a past. We all have past. Yeah. We want to be transformed, as the Bible says. We want to be that new creation. And so we want to learn from the women of the Bible how we can move forward and get over our past, get over where we are. And the thing is, though, this is a perfect opportunity, though, although our audience is for women who are saved, we want to introduce the gospel to those who may not be saved. We want to introduce them to a Jesus that loves them very much. And we know he loves them because he said that even when we were sinners, when he knew all the bad stuff we'd done, whether drinking, drugs, sleeping around the things that people that you think they don't see, God has seen it. And he says, you know what? I love you anyway, and I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to take the punishment that was intended for you, and I'm willing to take it on myself. It's finished. All you have to do is receive it. And it's that easy, a gift. It literally is that easy. And some of us have such a past that it is so incredibly shameful that we don't really want to share it with anybody. And, but the thing is, the Lord, he's seen it. Right. He knew it happened. He knew it was going to happen before we even made those choices. And still, he gave us away. Still, he loves us. Right. And we see that all through the Bible. We see how Rahab was the harlot. She's still known as Rahab the harlot, but she's also known as Rahab Boaz's mom, who's in the genealogy of Jesus. We've seen other women who, they start out as a basic pagan. We saw Ruth, how she was pagan, but she got transformed and she became to following Yeshua. Or again Yahweh. in the genealogy again, of Jesus. Yes, in the genealogy, she was she shouldn't even been there, and yet she was. And so we look at our own path past, and we often think, "How did I get here? I shouldn't be here." But if it's not for the Lord, you are never damaged enough that the Lord can't heal you and speak to you and help you and restore you. You're never, ever at a place that is unreachable 
for the Lord. And it's why, just not possible. Right. And that's why he said it in Luke 4, 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So what he's saying is that when you're trapped, when you're oppressed, and you don't have your liberty, you're blinded by everything around you, and you are now held captive. And it's usually because somewhere, somehow, your heart got broken. And he goes, I'm, I'm here to release you. And that's what we want to do, is share how these women in the Bible were used, because the Lord said, hey, I've got a purpose for you, and I want you to learn. And that's, that's modern-day Abigail's. And I think that's where we should start. Our very first woman to talk about, she is so incredibly inspiring. She has. Um, she comes from a a past that I most of us women can probably relate to. She felt like she was in a relationship that it's not was, ideal. No, it was impossible for this situation was just quite impossible. And we're going to learn about that. And so um, I think let's start there. Let's start with um, Abigail, who mm-hmm. we're based on, and. Um, Let's talk about her and see how she lived her life and the struggles that she went through and um, what she did to overcome them. And she didn't do it by herself. No, she didn't she do didn't. it by herself. No, no. And um, but it was incredible. And so let's start there. Let's okay. see what we let's see what we can discover from her. So in verse 25, so we're going to start in first Samuel, verse 25, verse one. Then Samuel died and he was the last judge of Israel. And the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now there was a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. And the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and a beautiful appearance, but this man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. So let's go, let's step back a little bit. Did you say that he was rich because he had what? He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. Back then, that was a lot of money. In I fact, I just had a conversation. I'm not joking. My coworker was telling me that his mom and sister, when he was younger, traveled to Israel. And this guy approached his mom and offered her, her a bunch of camels for his sister. <laughs> and um, they said that somebody had told her later, he goes, man, that was a really good deal for her. I mean, you were really offered a lot for her. And of course, he's like, mom, why didn't you sell her? <laughs> but so back then, oh God, that, where would it, you even put all those camels? Well, that's what he was like, but mom, I want a camel. We have a small backyard. <laughs> and he was very upset that she didn't take the deal. But oh, it was a compliment sister. Okay. because that means he had enough. To give for her. So, yes, 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats was considered rich. How funny. Well, okay. I'm glad we're not known by how many animals we have. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I'm broke. (laughs) Exactly. Me too. I don't know how much I can get for my two dogs and a cat. I don't know. Nobody wants a cat. He's kind of sketchy. No, nobody wants Lala or Baloo. Yeah. So, yes, that's why he was rich. So, she was, I mean, some people might think, wow, she's, you know, she's married to this rich guy. She should be happy. Um, no, he was harsh and evil. And I'm thinking most women, I mean, not all, I'm sure, but most women, 
I think they would rather be poor with a really kind, good husband than rich with an evil, harsh man, especially since he was known for that. Whose nickname, well, we're assuming it's a nickname. I I can't even imagine that somebody would walk up to him and call him fool to his face. I mean, what would be the repercussions of that? I mean, any kind of nickname but that, that's probably what they called him behind his back. But we don't know. But the Bible did. That doesn't matter. The Bible called him a fool. It doesn't say his real name. So we're just going to go with that. Right. And we talk about the house of Caleb um, because he, he, um, you know, later on, we'll see how Naples like, I don't know who this guy is. And right there that says, um, liar, you know, and that's even that goes show his character. So she, here she is a woman of good understanding and she's married to this guy. That's not an ideal situation. So what does she do? Oh, wait, let me back up. So it, it doesn't even have to be that, um, this just happened that she was married, but we could be in any kind of situation. It could be our right. boss. Right. It could be our brother. Co-worker. Yeah. Yeah. Co-worker. Family member. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't. Anybody. It's not limited to a wife in a situation where you yeah. don't want to be in it. You know, I've had um, where I've worked, I've had more supervisors than I can count. And yet I haven't moved positions. I just, you know, I have a little rotating door with supervisors. And the joke was always, hey, Anna, you got a new one to train. But I had some really good ones, and I've had some really terrible ones. And I'm going to tell you what, the terrible ones taught me more about the Lord than I ever learned about the good ones. The good ones, I appreciate praying nonstop. <laughs> yeah, I was, well, I was, and then not only was I praying nonstop, but I was having to learn how to pray because yeah. I had to learn real quick. Praying for myself is one thing, but praying for selfishness was, it was something different. I needed to be praying for their salvation. I needed to pray for them. Like one of my supervisors, I mean, this person just really was in a bad situation. I needed to pray for them, not for me at that time. And so sometimes the Lord, and he does, he puts us in trials. He puts us in situations because that's how we need to learn. And that's how we grow. You know what? And sometimes we get, you know, a retest because we didn't, we didn't pass it the first time. Yeah. Those retests, they're, they're a little bit fun. Right. Well, I wouldn't go straight to fun, but yeah. So I had a, a, a boss as well and we, well, we gave him a nickname, but I'm not going to say what it is, but, um, and I had to learn to um, quiet my tongue mm-hmm. because he also is what I would call a Nabal. There was no speaking to him. There was no reasoning with him. And so during those types of situations, you get to learn how you get to learn mm-hmm. how to um, be quiet and learn how to pick your battles and let things roll off. Because sometimes that's what life is. We can't. Um, confront every single thing that happens to us. We'll we'll never get anywhere in life because we're too busy arguing with every everybody. So we have to learn and use what the Lord calls discernment and wisdom in learning how to deal with people. And that's exactly what Abigail had to do because she had um, a fool of a husband. Right. So let's keep reading and see how we can learn from her. When David heard, this is verse four, and. First Samuel 25, when David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent 10 young men and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, peace be to you, peace to your house and peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you 
have sheared. Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them. Nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come to you at a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servant and to your son David. So he's approaching in a very peaceful manner. He's asking him, and that was customary at that time. It was nothing that if, if there, you saw the celebration, you uh, during the sheep shearing time, it was very common to come and get food for a celebration. So what David was asking wasn't out of place. It wasn't out of line. And it was very, not only neighborly, but fam- you know, family. It was a very good thing to do. So what we, so then, okay, so we don't really have anything else, do we? <laughs> yes. So. So in verse nine, so when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and waited. The Nabal answered David's servant and said, who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who breaks away from each one of his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to a man when I do not know where they are from? So one, he was taking God's glory away because he claimed he did it all. He also insulted David. He disregarded God's anointed. That is how far removed Nabal was from the situation. Not only was he rude, but he's family, and he actually insulted God all at the same time. I mean, he's pretty impressive. So, well, that's one word for him. (laughs) Uh, Mistake number one, nobody mentioned that he was the son of Jesse. He mentioned that he was the son of Jesse. So he clearly knew exactly who he was. Exactly. Mistake number two, you have this good kind-hearted, known for his kind-heartedness, um, known for his valor, known for... Known for killing Goliath. I mean, he was famous. And then you're going to sit there, one, insult him, and two, disregard him like he's some peasant that just happened to walk up and you don't trash. care about. Yes. And how many women out there have been thrown away and feel like trash? A whole, yeah. And we have to choose. That's uncountable. Exactly. And we have to choose. Because I've been there. I had an ex-husband who did that. Basically, mm-hmm. you know what? One day I uh, said, you know what? We're getting divorced. I'm like, what? Yeah, I already got somebody moving in. And I'm yeah. like, can't can we do something about this? Well, let me think about it. I'll get back to you in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, mm, y'all can go. Bye. And y'all man, being. Yeah, my son, uh, who was really little, mm-hmm. and basically packed all my stuff in a trash bag and mm-hmm. said, you can leave now. Mm-hmm. And so when you feel like trash and I, treated like and trash, treated like trash, clearly David's you anger, must be. Yeah. And David's anger. Totally get it. You know, you're waiting for that piano to fall out of the sky. Drop on them. You want justice and vengeance right then and there. But and he, he had the power to do it. Exactly. Is that really exactly. somebody you want to tangle with? I think not. No, but he did anyway. But. David's being tested too. What type of man are you going to be? And basically, and we're going to see that in a few verses, Abigail 
points it to them. What type of man are you going to be? So I'm going to pose it to women. What type of woman are you going to be? Are you going to let someone treat you like that and get angry or mad? Or are you going to say, you know what? You need help. I'm going to pray for you. Or I don't know what your deal is. I didn't. I mean, I didn't know what to do back then. I was so young. I was only 19. Yeah, I think I was 19 years old. I didn't know what to do. I went home back to my mom and dad. They were welcoming. They welcomed me. They were like, come on. Right. You know, but I was able to get my life in order because of it. Okay. It took like 20 something years. (laughs) That's beside the point. Uh, Sometimes it, well, nothing ever happens quick, I guess. The Lord doesn't normally do things very quickly. Well, not. Unless he's in creating, my life. <laughs> unless he's creating the world. Okay, <laughs> you're right, right. Six days. Six days. <laughs> so, okay, so we see a very bad situation here. So he's insulting David. Um, he, and we see why he's named fool. He went after David. So, let's, so in verse 12, it says, So David's young men turned on their heels and went back. And they came and told him all these words. Have you thought about it? Who's the ones going to say to tell David that, Hey, by the way, um... Did they draw straws? I know. I mean, were they scared to tell David or were they like, dude, this is what he said. You need to go after him. We don't know. It doesn't say. Oh, I don't know. I think I would have been scared to death to break that news. I ain't telling him. So, yeah, not you, it. Yeah. Could you imagine? Like, so, David, yeah, not it. Um, how you doing? You sitting down? <laughs> don't get mad. You know what? Maybe give him a few glasses of wine first and get him relaxed. I, I'm, I'm starting to think these men were just as angry. Because they were out there helping out because he goes, then David said to this man, every man gird up on his sword. So every man girded on his sword and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David and 200 stayed with the supplies. He got mad. But in that typically, isn't that our typical response to most things that happen when it doesn't go our way? We get angry. We get mad. You know what's great about us women? We don't say a word. We slam cabinet doors. <laughs> My coworker <laughs> once told me his sister would take the, he said he knew when she was mad because she was a very aggressive about vacuuming. Like, when a wife gets quiet or when a woman gets quiet, that's when you need to start worrying. Yeah, because she's holding in her anger. But is it the right thing to do? Does it, has it, Joanna, that's, how many times have you God, done that's that? that's a good question. Have you, how many times have you slammed a cabinet door, slammed a door, slammed bowls down and aggressively cooked a dinner because you were mad? And then when somebody asks, are you okay? I'm fine. Yeah. How many times I'm did fine. that actually help? None. No. 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 When I was young, my thing was when I would get upset, I would clean. It's not my thing now. I wish it was, but it, it's not. And um, so when my family would see me aggressively cleaning the kitchen, they would all like flip around and and walk right back out. (laughs) Right. Well, I kind of got to the point where I wasn't quite cutting myself, but I would dig my fingernails into my arm to the point where there's a scar there now because I would dig in my nails. And my my thought was, well, I'd rather hurt myself than somebody else. No, I was just being passive aggressive to somebody else and just never told them. That wasn't the right approach either. So we're learning through this. What is the, what is the correct response? How do we get up? How do we move forward? And so the nice thing is, is we're going to see Abigail, who's, who's in a bad situation because she's married to a guy who's harsh. 
who's evil and very disrespectful, doesn't even, who has no problem taking God's glory away. Clueless. So clueless. And if he was that way towards David, you know, Goliath slayer, how do you think he was towards his wife? We don't know exactly because it doesn't give us details. But I'm not picturing a nice harmonious marriage. No, no, not at all. So let's see what uh, what's next. I, I'm curious to see how, um, well, what happens. So in First uh, Samuel 25 at 14, now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. Someone stop there. She was approachable. How many women are approachable? Are we approachable? Can our kids approach us? Can our husbands approach us? Can our parents? Can a boyfriend? Can a niece, nephew? How approachable are we? And if we're not approachable, why? Because something, they see something in us, right? They can see it. Even though we think we have it hidden, we think we're clever and we think we're hiding our emotions and we think we're hiding everything behind us. But in reality, people probably see it better than we do. I mean, we've gotten pretty good when we see somebody, we know they have a broken heart. And then we can sit there and go, hey, can I help talk to you, friend? Can we, can we have a chit chat? You know, and some of them are like, yeah, you're right. I do. I want help. I've had some who goes, yeah, I do. But I don't want to do anything about it. Or they get upset and and they don't see themselves that way. Right. You know, we And it talks about that in Luke four eighteen. He talks about being blinded. <coughs> and when we're blinded, we refuse to see the situation. You can't fix it. Well, nobody wants to look at themselves. Right. It's so much easier to look at somebody else and throw all their problems out. Uh, in their face, but nobody wants to look at themselves. It's too painful. It's too hard. Um, looking at ourselves is very difficult. You're right. Looking at ourselves is very difficult because if we see it, we have to do something about it. We're now accountable. And so if we don't do anything about it, it's just going to fester like an abscess tooth. If you don't do something, it's going to fester until it, it gets bad. And and a lot of it depends on what is the problem. Does the problem stem for something that happened to us and is now just um, a part of our lives, not in a good way? Because if we have to look at a behavior that we do, where does it come from? And then to learn where it come from, comes from, then we have to say, what happened to us? Because nobody wants to look at the past. The past is often, if we have a broken heart over something, what gave us the broken heart, to, to relive that or chat about it is extremely painful. Right. It doesn't come without pain. It doesn't come without tears. And nobody wants to go there. They've spent their lives uh, putting a- Numbing the pain. Uh, numbing the pain, barricading themselves in. Numbing the pain or barricading themselves in. So why revisit that when all it's going to do is fester back those, um, fester up those um, feelings that we spend all of our life trying to suppress? Exactly. Exactly. So what we, so our first 
application is here is she was in a bad situation. She had a terrible husband, but she was still remained approachable. And if she remained approachable, that means there was something because it said that she was a woman of good understanding. That means they could go and talk to her. So this servant had no problem going up to her. And so she did not let her environment affect who she was. She didn't allow that. She said she 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 stayed that woman of good understanding. She didn't let her environment affect her in a negative way. So that's why when we see later, he says in verse 15, but the men were very good to us and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them. When we were in the fields, they were a wall to us, both by day, night and day, all the time where we were with them keeping the sheep. So the guys have been good to him. And he's admitting, look, there's no reason for his attitude because these men were good to us. They kept us in a safe place. They actually kept us from the bad men coming in or anybody who would try to mess them up or steal. David and his men kept them away. So he's he's a. You know, he's letting her know that, man, these guys should be well taken care of. There is no excuse for Nabal's attitude. And then it goes into verse 17. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do. For harm is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a scoundrel that no one can speak to him. So he's saying that Nabal was not approachable, whereas Abigail was. And he's saying, look, you're going to have you're the wife of this man. You're going to have to do something. There's nothing we can do. I mean, he flat out told her, determine what you're going to do. What are you going to do? How are you going to fix this? Right. What are we going to do to survive this? Because we're about to be in some serious trouble. And she could have ran away, couldn't she? Yeah. They could have ran away. They could have ran away. Running whatever is easy. happened. Because running is very easy. Running it's very is easy. tempting. It's very easy. And that is usually your first response. Run. Get out of the situation. She also could have thought, um, I'm just a mere woman. What do you want me to do about it? Mm-hmm. Um, or two, he is a scoundrel. He's harsh and evil. I'm afraid of him. Mm-hmm. But you my know suggestion what? to you is hide. Yeah. I think, though, her love for the people around her, for her servants and the people around her in her household. I think her love for them outweighed her fear. I mean, think about it. It's a beautiful Jesus parallel there. Jesus was going to be hung on a cross. He knew it because he talked to the father beforehand and he knew what it was like for a crucifixion. He wasn't blind to it. It wasn't like crucifixion. What's that? In fact, he talks about it in Isaiah. So from the very beginning, they knew he was going to be crucified. He was going to be lashed. He was going to be humiliated. He was going to have a crown of thorns shoved on his head. I don't know about you, but I picked a thistle out in the front yard just not too long ago when I was, you know, washing the car, and I had a washcloth. My gosh, that hurt! I can't imagine a thorn, a crown of thorns on my head after being beaten, spit on. I always think about you, Joanna, you German folks. They had spit on you. You would have died right then and there. Right, this kill me now. You would have died. Kill me now. And so he went through all this abuse. His back is ripped up, but he did it anyway because his love for us was so much greater than his fear. He didn't have fear. I mean, he anguished. He did have an anguish and to the point where his, his sweat looked like blood. He was almost bleeding sweat and tears because he knew what he was going to go through and being separated from the Father. But he did it anyway 
because his love for us was greater than that. And I see that with Abigail, that her love for all of those people around her was greater than her fear of her husband. But yet she still remained in order and she still remained not unemotional, but she remained in order and she didn't make it worse. Level-headed. Level-headed. She didn't make it worse. Sometimes we're afraid, but we still have to do it. Right. We have to do it afraid. But we had to do it anyway. And she knew by that night, none of them may be alive. Right. I mean, David had a, he had a reputation of killing his enemies. And Nabal had just become an enemy. They were so afraid that they went and told her. They didn't have to say anything to Abigail. Right. That's true. They could have just kept it themselves. They could have ran away. So we don't know the reaction of the men that got the news that from Nabal that they weren't helping, that Nabal wasn't helping. We don't know the reaction of these men, but it was enough to scare the servants. Right. To go running to Abigail. Because they knew he wouldn't do anything about it. You know, so they're like, hey, we, we, you know, but you know what that also tells me? They could have ran away, but I think they had a love for her and wanted to warn her. Oh, yeah. They wanted to keep their household intact. So let me ask this, ladies. What are you doing to keep your household intact? What are you doing to go against the real enemy? Your husband is not your real enemy. Your mother-in-law is not your real enemy or a sister-in-law or a sister or a mom. Anyone. They are not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. He's going to get in there and he's going to tear up your family. What are you going to do? for letting us share our tools to become the women God created us to be. If we encouraged you today, visit us at moderndayabigails.com. Remember, you are loved, cherished, and prayed over.